welcome to the Post-Christian Podcast. Our mission is to make disciples in a post-Christian culture. I'm Eric Bryant, one of the executive pastors at Gateway Church in Austin, author of Not Like Me, and my new book, Fruitful, Becoming the Person God Created You to Be. I'm also providing resources at ericbryant.org. Today with me on the podcast, I have Roger and Mary Jo Sharp. Welcome. Hey, Harry. Well, it's great to have you guys. I know you're up in the Pacific Northwest. Maybe for those who aren't familiar with some of your work, I would love for you to just give a little context of your ministry. Yeah, sure. Sure. Who wants to start? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, we've been doing separate ministry, but similar ministry for uh, pretty much all of our marriage. Uh, Started in youth ministry, then went to youth and worship ministry, then a little bit of education, which spawned what um, Mary Jo began in apologetics. And I've kind of been the behind the scenes guy for that, uh, doing a lot of that when she does the speaking and whatnot. So yeah, tell us a bit more about the apologetics side. Uh, yeah. So uh, my, we've done, yeah, we've done local church ministry for 26 years. Is that right? Time. Yeah. <laughs> Where Roger's been pastoring. Um, and then I have a nonprofit parachurch organization called uh, Confident Christianity. And it's apologetics ministry that I've had for almost 16 years uh, of, you know, engaging people in conversation about the difficult questions about God. Mm. That's great. Well, I love how I think you two have a particular insight that I think would be helpful for us. I'm in Austin, which is a blue dot in a big red state, (laughs) very liberal, progressive city that's unlike the rest of the state. And you guys have had similar experiences in that. If I remember right, Roger, you grew up more in the South and Mary Jo up in the Pacific Northwest, then you were both in the Bible Belt. Now you're both in the Pacific Northwest. <laughs> I think the Pacific Northwest is is probably where our nation will be and is going. Uh, maybe talk for a little bit about the difference between how you've seen faith expressed in the Pacific Northwest versus the Bible Belt. <laughs> 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 Yeah, you're right. I grew up in rural Oklahoma. I mean, like the buckle of the Bible Belt. And then we spent some time in Houston for about 13 years. So, yeah, we've been immersed in the, the Bible culture. And yeah, it's it's exactly what you just described. And then coming up here to Portland, uh, it's a complete flip of that. And yeah, it's it's so different. Uh, the worlds, it's more like Europe here in Portland. Um, so it's it's completely different. Just just like you said. Yeah. Um, I like to tease people in the South and I say, well, where I grew up in Portland is a little bit different because we don't have a church on every street corner, <laughs> nor a gas station, nor a Tex-Mex restaurant. So <laughs> very different culture, <laughs> yeah. but, uh, and only like Texans get that. <laughs> yes, that's right. But um, yeah, it's just very different people um, in the Pacific Northwest. Religion was more private and it's not something that you just put out there. Like uh, not everybody says, oh, yeah, I went to church or, you know, they not everybody grew up in church. And that was different when I went to Oklahoma. It seemed like everybody I met had a connection with some kind of church, either from their childhood or, you know, they were currently going or something like that. It was very just different, different in that sense of exposure to Christianity. Well, and then. If I remember your story right, it sounds like as a as a young woman, I mean, maybe in your teen years, you were more of a an atheist, and then you found faith, and then wasn't sure if you still liked what you were doing just because of the Christians around you, right? But <laughs> mm-hmm. oh, your journey from the Northwest to an apologetics professor. Tell a little bit. <laughs> oh, that's a long journey. Um, let's do it short form. 
So um, I I wasn't raised in church, and that's sort of my um, you know atheistic background. I was a non-theist. I just didn't have any experience or understanding of God or the church or Christianity other than what I saw like on TV and the movies. So that's pretty shallow. <laughs> um, and, uh, but I did have like a, a family who um, they love the outdoors and my dad loved, you know, he took me out all the time in, and he was in wonder of nature and he was in wonder of the ocean and the mountains. And he taught me to appreciate these things and to uh, my dad was a huge fan of Carl Sagan. So he loved anything about space and how vast it was and what our place was in the universe. So I was developing this sense of wonder and awe at the universe in which I live. And I think that opened me up towards questioning, you know, human existence, meaning purpose value in this vast universe. So um, that was sort of like, even though I didn't have a Christian upbringing, I had, you know, this impetus to search out for deeper meaning to life. And that was when a, uh, in high school, when a, my high school band director, he uh, witnessed me, took a chance and witnessed me. And I, he tells me if I'm remembering correctly, that he had never shared his faith with anybody before. Wow. And so this was a big deal. And not only had he not done it, but this was a public school setting. So um, I remember, in Oregon. Yeah, in Oregon. <laughs> I remember him telling me he thought he was going to get in trouble. He thought I was going <laughs> to take off and report him, you know, this crazy guy witnessing to me and it was inappropriate and all that. And I'm like, no, I wouldn't do that. See, that's the thing. I was like, we're generally nice people up in the Northwest. And that's I, something that you don't hear a lot about. We have sort of a Midwestern niceness. Mm-hmm. And uh, I wouldn't do that. But anyway, he impacted me um, to the point of he gave me a Bible and um, I he impacted me to the point of reading that Bible because I really respected him. I actually went off and uh, got a degree in music ed and became a band director myself. <laughs> so uh, following in his footsteps. But that sort of uh, inspired me to read that Bible. And I came to the conclusion from uh, really going through the scripture that God was the answer to those questions that I had about meaning and purpose in this universe. And um, so that was when I started seeking out church. Uh, And that was funny because it was when I went off to college, right? Um, I go off to college and I'm, you know, looking to explore (laughs) faith. Everybody's worried their kids are going to go off and leave the faith. That's right. Complete opposite. (laughs) Just the opposite. And uh, that was when I uh, found a church where I heard a gospel presentation. I understood my need of salvation um, and I became a believer. But like you said, um, then I experienced the church and the Christians that were in the church. <laughs> and that there was to me, there was like sort of this disconnect between the, the truth, goodness and beauty that I was seeing in Jesus and in the scriptures. Uh, and then the way that Christians were choosing to live their lives. Mm-hmm. So it was the hypocrisy of Christians that caused me that initial doubt about what I believed and launched me into looking for questions or answers to my questions, uh, which is why I'm in apologetics, got a degree in apologetics eventually and ended up uh, with a ministry and a professorship in apologetics. So that's the short form. (laughs) Well, and it's an amazing story, too, because I think what I love about what you guys do. I know you have your show, The Pastor and the Professor, you know, they're on Patreon. But I I love how you're, you know, just very open about your your own journey. And your most recent book, if I remember right, is Why I Still Believe. And and it sounds like, as I've been able to take a look at it, it's it's actually a great book for those who are even uh, deconstructing their faith, which we hear a lot about nowadays. What would you say to that person who has a loved one who's struggling with faith, 
comes across Christians as hip, hypocritical and judgmental? You know, what are some of the things that helped you come back to the church or that you see, whether it's from your book or in your own journey, that could help someone who's struggling right now? Great question. Yeah. Yeah. And it's kind of what we modeled in our family with our daughter when she had hard questions. You know, we just let her ask the questions and we would let her ask as many hard questions as she wanted. And some of our answers were not very good, which spurred us on to go and figure out some things as well. But just leave a, a, an open door for questions. Let uh, Have some empathy for people because we don't have all the answers. There's no way we can have all the answers. But if we, if people are deconstructing, which we didn't know that was a thing before she wrote this book, it just, it's kind of a newer thing. So congratulations on your book. You answered some questions ahead of time. <laughs> That's right. But yeah, it just, uh, you've got to be open with people, allow them to ask the hard questions and, and don't get offended or get upset by the questions that they may ask. Yeah. Good. That's, um, I would definitely say like, there's this, there's this passage that I've been um, thinking on and um, engaging with a lot, which is 1 Corinthians 13. And it's the very start of that passage. So a lot of people know that passage for love is patient, love is kind, all those, you know, love is. But there's a real impetus for um, compassion and empathy um, when Paul says, you know, basically if he can, he says, if I speak in the tongues of men and angels, but I have not love, he says, I'm a noisy gong or clanging cymbal. <laughs> so all this like, and he goes on to describe, like, if I have prophetic powers, if I understand all mysteries and knowledge, if I have all faith to remove mountains, but I have not love, he says, I'm nothing right. Not like, oops, my bad. <laughs> I pushed all these answers on all this knowledge and I have huge faith, but I don't really care about you. Uh, Paul says, I am nothing if I do that. And so this has really been burdened me lately with this whole idea of people who are deconstructing. Yeah. Uh, we need to show them that great love of God, the compassion, the empathy for where they're at. And we need to take Paul's admonition here really seriously. Uh, it's not just about having all the answers but it's also about having translating what, what does your belief translate into your own spiritual life and how you engage others? You know, how does it? And um, great answer. I think, yeah, both of you just hit on some things that are very important. You know, I grew up kind of in a context in the eighties here in Texas, in the Dallas area, which is much more Bible belt than Austin, <laughs> but it was definitely more of uh, the Bible says it, that settles it. I believe it, you know, and oh, yeah. so, the, the ability to ask questions uh, was not something that was encouraged. And so you just kind of kept your doubts quiet and just kind of wandered off, like you said earlier in college. But, but I think one of the things that I'm hearing you guys say is it's, it's far more relational mm -hmm. to keep that person close, let them ask those questions. You know, God is big enough to handle our toughest questions, you know, even going on the journey with them to try to help answer those questions. Talk about in your ministry of apologetics, you know, even at MaryJoSharp.com, it says exploring truth with love and logic. Talk about how both of those are so important. <laughs> oh, my goodness. So much. Um, yeah, because um, you have, you know, it's great. We can go back to Paul. So in 1 Corinthians 13, he's talking about if you don't have love, you're nothing. But then later on, you know, you see Paul making a defense of the objective truth of Christianity. Mm -hmm. Just, you know, two chapters later in 1 Corinthians 15, in verses 14 and 15, he's talking about if Jesus hasn't raised from the dead, your faith is useless. 
So you can see the impetus from the scripture for this to be, um, these two to be connected and never unconnected, right? That love and logic are always together in the Christian faith, um, that we should be prepared to give the reason of our defense or reason, a defense of the reason of our hope. I flipped it. <laughs> <laughs> good try. Good in First Peter 3.15, when he says, to anyone who asks you, you should always be ready to explain basically why you believe in the resurrected Jesus and have hope in that. And uh, so that's, there's the impetus from the scriptures. Um, Having that readiness provides you the ability in sort of a, um, a culture that's leaning post-Christian to engage people anywhere at any time, Mm -hmm. because you're confident in your knowledge. And that's something as Christians, we gotta, you know, we gotta get that under control, which is, you're not going to talk about things you're not knowledgeable about. So, I mean, I've actually heard Christians say, well, in the moment, the Holy Spirit will just give to me whatever I need. And yeah, maybe, maybe. <laughs> but Holy Spirit will actually use your disciplined mind to be able to be uh, ready what, for study to show yourself approved unto God. So there's the yeah. study aspect that yeah. we have to be prepared. Yeah. Have to be ready. So <laughs> he will work in concert with you um, and not just shove knowledge into your head when you need it. You That'd know? be awesome. Though. <laughs> like a test. That would be so awesome. It's important for us. <laughs> yeah, no, I think that's a really good point. And, you know, I guess I kind of remember growing up when apologetics was, was almost like, I can argue you and you'll be, I'll argue with you. You'll be wrong. I'll prove you wrong. You know, it was almost mm-hmm. like a, a battle, you know, mm-hmm. and, and really what you're describing is just being able to answer the real questions that people have, which they won't ask if there's not a relationship there, yes. creating that space. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And there's a lot of power in allowing people to ask those questions too. You know, even if we don't answer them, we can journey with them and say, Hey, I don't know the answer to that, but if you don't mind, let's, build a relationship and let's come back to figuring out what these answers might be. So yeah, there's a lot of power in allowing people just to ask the question, even if you don't have an answer for them. Yeah. And being okay. Right. If you don't have the answer, just (laughs) being like, I'm okay that I don't know that because I'm not God. Right. Like, you know, if you talk to a physicist, he doesn't know everything about biology, right? Because he's not a biologist. And so you're not going to have all the answers to everything in the world and just admit that. In fact, We've had more great conversations by saying, well, I, I've never really considered that, or I don't know that. Why don't you talk to me a little bit more about what you know that's, and that's yeah, true. explain your point of view. That's really great. Talk a little bit about your show that you guys do together. <laughs> <laughs> well, she, she finally cajoled me into doing it. I didn't want to do it. So <laughs> it took a while. <laughs> I'm usually the behind the scenes guy. I like to promote and do the marketing and all the, you know, the business aspects of it, but she got me <laughs> She got me on the the uh, the show last year in January. I think is when we started. It's been a lot of fun. Um, we've had a good time watching it and learning from it, and just having a, a great time with it. But yeah, I learned just by sitting next to her. <laughs> so our main objective on the sh- the pastor and the professor is to help Christians gain a curiosity about God and to grow in confidence in their faith by sharing the content that he and I discuss daily in our home. <laughs> That's great. So like between a pastor and a professor, um, we, and our personalities are so different too. We approach things from <laughs> such different perspectives. Yeah. The, like the opposite every time. So it's, it's really fun to see that unfold <laughs> on the screen. I don't think that word means what you think that it means. <laughs> yeah, that's right. I'll ask you, hey, professor, why don't you explain that term that you just <laughs> bombed us with? And uh, it's, orthopathy, what's that? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> 
<laughs> but we have a, this is what it's like on the show. We have a good time. We discuss rigorous philosophical and theological um, content about faith, ministry, discipleship, Life. spiritual formation, mental wellness, and how it all relates to the existence of God. It's just, it's really great. Um, we felt, you know, we felt like we were keeping all this, our Wednesday morning breakfast conversations to ourselves. And we we're like, we should share this. <laughs> I love it. Well, I've enjoyed yeah. the ones I've been able to catch and just um, grateful for the ways you guys are making a difference, helping build confidence in other people's faith. Again, all these resources can be found at maryjosharp.com. Roger, Mary Jo, thank you so much for spending some time with us today. Oh, thanks, Eric. We appreciate the invitation. Look forward to doing this again in the future. Yeah, thank you. Thanks for joining us on the Post-Christian Podcast. More resources available at ericbryant.org.